0: Welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by my friend and co-host Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's life on the other side of the world today? Hot. Oh, tease, tease, tease. <laughs> we've we've gone down into rain oh. and long pants. And oh. the other day, it was a. We went for a walk. It was a balmy 11 degrees Celsius, which is um. Definitely cold. We've got the spring that we never had now. Okay, very weird. You can set some of that hot over here. Yeah. While you're doing that, we've got summer. summer's here. Uh,
1: the the sky has suddenly changed its blue. It's it's gone to proper summer blue now. Uh, the air is clear, and uh, well, uh, walking around the golf course, we have a we have a section from holes. Oh, let's say let's say thirteen, no twelve through fourteen. That I call the walk. Uh, it's at the bottom of a valley. Um, the concrete paths are white and reflect the sun. and just get hotter and hotter and hotter. It's um, yeah, it's summertime, which is great to be honest. I'm delighted. I've I've missed
0: it. Mm, very good. Uh, and your golf is getting earlier and earlier and earlier. I'm guessing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. We are standing on the first tee, waiting
0: for the Greenkeepers to get out of the way at, well, pretty much about seven o'clock in the morning, trying, trying to get off. Oh, crazy. Uh, do you do an afternoon siesta in the summer when it's so hot? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, so my my
1: routine will be, I'm doing whatever I'm doing in the morning, which might be golf. Uh, it might be deep work, uh, to borrow from Cal Newport. Uh, then I have some lunch, then I have a swim, then I have a snooze. That's pretty much how my uh my my day goes. Or I may, on occasion, have the snooze and then have the swim. Because yeah, live on the wild side. <laughs> it's a hard life, isn't it, Steve? It's hard at the top, mate, I'll tell you. All right. How's the tat doing? Uh, brilliant. Lovely. It's healing really well. Um, as I as I just hinted, I'm swimming again now, so I I deem it as healed enough um it's two weeks old now uh, so it's still slightly raised it's not completely finished sort of settling in but i think risk from infection is pretty minimal now and it's my own pool i know it's clean so um yeah i i love it i absolutely love it when i wear a t-shirt or a polo shirt because the design stretches down beyond my elbow um it's it's a very uncorporate looking tattoo so um i'm actually um i'm I'm at a conference in october and i th- i think i'm planning on wearing a polo shirt um so i'm I'm just wondering how that's gonna go down with the <laughs> the delegates there so i was just gonna get some branded polo shirts uh i'm considering i'm considering rebranding myself as um the a m l guy mm-hmm. um because I, I think that will be a, a website that people will remember and i, I I can't be very serious about this stuff because it is all nonsense. So perhaps my trademark really is that I I translate all of the gobbledygook into plain English. So that might work. I'll I'll toy with that. I mean, given that you're going to publish this in about a week, I suppose I ought to make a decision about that domain name pretty quickly. But um, that's that's my plan. I'm loving the tattoo. I think it looks brilliant sticking out uh, from beneath my sleeve. Whether the corporate world will agree, hmm, I'm not sure yeah long sleeves are your friends my friend <laughs> yeah i mean uh, uh in uk i'll be fine because clearly it's never really warm in the uk by by my standards but in cyprus yeah people are just gonna have to get used to it i think
0: yeah people have become much more accepting of tattoos uh, as far as uh you don't have a neck tattoo you'll be all right <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yes, yeah, so, uh,
1: ne- neck and knuckles. I think are the the two that that slightly frightened people, and of course, face. But I'm I'm not going there yet. Oh,
0: I, I think you'd look great with some weird face tattoo.
1: I don't. No, it'd be in Latin anyway.
0: God, <laughs> uh, how's the dogs doing?
1: Uh, they appear to be uh, healing well. They still got um, uh, sort of uh, raw bits where their where their hair is, uh was. Uh, taken off if you like to, to get to these sores. But the sores are healing up well. I'm still doing cream twice a day. Um a few more weeks of that and hopefully they'll be okay. But they're not they're not bothering them, so I think they're okay. That's good. Uh and Chi Chi has, you know, uh not not been affected by it at all. She's she's made of strong stuff, young
0: Chi Chi. Well you know these rescues they've they've already got everything so this is nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they've done it all. They've done it all. But what about you? What's your follow-up for the week? Oh, I'm feeling old today, Stu. Ooh. I was uh, in a record store on the weekend and saw that Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells. Uh, is that something you ever listened to? Uh, it is. And just a note for younger listeners, there was
1: a time that music came on sort of vinyl discs. Google it.
0: You'll love it. Carry on, Justin. Our listeners. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> They're hip. They, they like all of this analog. I, I mean, I'm going to say most of them probably have a film camera or two tucked away somewhere. But yeah, um, Tupelo Bells, 50th Anniversary just came out, which it's the first record I ever learned to put on a turntable myself. I don't know how old I would, would have been, but I grew up with this. Um, but 50th Anniversary just makes me feel... So, so old. (laughs) And I had it in my hand. I don't have a turntable, but I had the vinyl record in my hand thinking, do I buy the vinyl now so that I can justify the turntable and the speakers that I want to buy? Ah, Stu, just what I need. Another bloody hobby.
1: (laughs) Uh, Look, once you set your mind to it, it's very easy to spend money, as you and I have both discovered to our collective cost.
0: Yeah, the actually the bigger problem is where would i put this thing okay because our house is set up very strangely um you know do i put it in my office well i've got nowhere to put that because my office is pretty full with bookshelves do i put it in my bar area which i think i'd like to do because that's kind of my area for myself it's it's basically And if this was a real suite, this would be the living room kitchen areas, like all one big space that I've turned into a bar because, well, I drink too much. Um, But yeah, I I thought that would be the great place for it. But then it's like, well, I don't really sit down there Mm. and listen to album length stuff all the time. Sure. I'm usually doing something. Um, Putting it upstairs runs the absolutely wonderful thing of having to deal with Mrs. T. And making sure that she knows how to uh, put things on a stereo with the level of care and precision <laughs> that some anal person like myself would do. You know, the rules that would come with having to okay, we touch this, we only touch it on the sides, we do not touch. You know, I, I know me, I know what I'm like. And if I'm paying 65 bucks for an LP, um, yeah, it's going to have a lot of rules on it that is going to be a problem so i don't really know what i'm going to do with this i haven't quite figured it out i haven't bought anything yet i've got some nice uh wharfdales that i'm looking at but mm-hmm. uh, you know how it goes Temptations do. Uh,
1: temptation I, my my wharfdales and my term table are sitting in my garage in the uk which is a decision i still look back on and think why on earth did i come to that conclusion but anyway um largely because of the heat out here. Um, But I think I'd probably rather have them out here in the heat than, well, in a garage in the cold and the damp, doing no good to anyone. It's just nonsense, but there you are.
0: I got rid of all my turntable and all of my records when I was making space for the girls moving into the old house. So Mm. that was a long, long time ago. And I thought, you know what? I've got everything on, on Apple Music now or, you know, burnt in i don't need all this stuff boy do i regret that decision well
1: it's because i mean you've got home pods and they're awesome i mean they're just so reliable aren't they (laughs) yeah ah so Stu, let's move on (laughs) what was your tool of the week uh my tool of the week was planning um which i suppose is on brand if nothing else um i've just been putting things into calendar the year has sort of just suddenly exploded into action for me. Uh school is finishing for Mrs. L. As we record, tomorrow is the last day of the kids. And she has a bit of admin time. But then it's school's out for summer. And uh quite quickly after that, she is she's off on vacation or holiday, as we would say in England. Um, so she's going to Sicily for a couple of weeks, leaving me home alone, me and the hounds. Oh boy. Um uh yeah, who knows? I mean. Pfft the woman clearly has no sense of danger leaving me here on my own unsupervised. But um, yeah, a couple of weeks of of that. And then um, I've got, uh, I'm going to go to the UK uh, for, well, I call it a short week. I've got to do a little bit of work. Um, I've got to go and see a client, sort of my oldest client who still gets face-to-face time because, well, you know, that's how it was when we set it up and I'm not going to change it. Uh, So I will be whizzing over to uh Bristol and um Mrs. L will come with me and she will be my trusty sidekick. Uh and we are then because we're there we're gonna nip in and see my mum because I couldn't really I will literally be sort of going past where she lives to get from London to Bristol. So um we will go to Bristol, do the work, spend a, a day or two with my mum, then we're gonna go up to London, catch a show. Uh, maybe spend one day up with um, some of, of Margaret's family and then jump back on a plane. But we're literally flying sort of Tuesday to Saturday. I mean, it is quite a short trip. Um, and then, um, oh, I suppose six weeks after that, I'll be going back to the UK. I've got a conference that I'm attending that I was not going to attend, but now I am. So suddenly, the, you know, my calendar has taken on a little bit of a pre-COVID look. Um, and as you start putting those, or as I start putting those things in, then that has consequences. You know, if you're going to be at a conference, then what are you going to miss? We're going to be? Oh, okay, all right, so I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to move this, I've got to... Uh, so, yeah, suddenly I find myself with a sort of direction, and a shape to the year, which is, I have to say, it's quite
0: nice. It's a sort of nostalgic feeling. <laughs> um, but there you are. This... This travel thing that you speak of, what, what is it, Stu? <laughs>
1: well, this is not travel as I used to do it. I'm clearly getting old, but um, I'm flying on an airline called Whiz, um, which is uh, a Hungarian. Well, that inspires confidence, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll get you there in a whiz. It, it came out of the of the wreckage of the Hungarian national airline, which went past um, Malev. And this is called Whiz. So it's based in budapest but it's a kind of ryanair um uh southwest competitor if you like so that that sort of thing so you know you you pay for your seat and then if you want to take a bag you have to pay extra for that and if you want to take you know a big bag you take pay even more
0: um and you're traveling with margaret (laughs) yeah um i mean I've I've also got the
1: Camino booked in as well for, for October. So my, my the first flight I booked is the last one I'm taking, which uh, is I'm going on Camino. Which that's easy because you don't take luggage anyway because you've got to carry the stuff literally on your back across Spain. So traveling light is very much uh, the way you want to go. Um, but Wiz, like Ryanair and I guess like Southwest, is only cost-effective if you are prepared to play, play the game and, you know, go very minimal, very, very low, low luggage. Um, so there was a negotiation. Uh, Mrs. L is gonna, is gonna give it a go. I've sort of pointed her in the direction of, you can buy those special bags that are, you know, conform with the small under seat uh, luggage. You're not, we don't, you don't even get a big cabin bag on these cheap flights. So uh, it's literally, uh, I don't know, in in inches, but it's 40 centimeters by uh, 30 by 20. So that's going to be about, I don't know, 15 by 12 by uh, by 8, something like that, 8 or 9. So it really is a small little bag. It's basically a laptop bag or a small backpack um, with, you know, clean socks in it that type of thing so uh, that will be interesting to see how mrs l copes with that she's she's bored into it because we're doing the whole thing public transport uh, we're not doing any cabs um uh so we're gonna get we're flying into a place called luton lovely lovely place um luton airport um if you're british you'll know what that means uh which is north of london and then we are getting a train to bristol which is in the southwest of the uk Um, so that's about a three hour journey, but you have to go into London and then out of London. Um, and all of this is going to be done with, um, our tiny little bags. I'm trying to persuade Mrs. L that a rucksack is a good idea rather than a wheelie bag. But anyway, so I'm going to do all that and I'll let you know how it goes, Justin.
0: (laughs) You are a braver man than I am, Stu. That's all I got to (laughs) say.
1: Uh, well, I'm hoping to get her in the habit of this, you know, let's just jump on a on a plane for a weekend and go to, you know, somewhere fun. Mm. The minute you start bringing baggage into the equation and taxis and, uh, you know, all the fees go up by, you know, everything trebles in price.
0: Yeah, well, in Canada, nothing is cheap. It's a regulated industry and uh, that means everything is expensive, but uh, I... I I'm not even sure I'm quite ready to get on a plane. Should I want to just burn money? But anyway, that's me. (laughs) So what's your tool of the week then, Justin? Oh, I can't even remember. Oh, uh, yes, uh, rest and recovery. We talked last week about rest and recovery, and based on that conversation, I took the weekend off. I just did nothing, basically, the whole weekend. And I feel much better for it. I did it guilt-free. So thank you for that, Stu. Uh, I got out into the woods. It was Father's Day out here, so I decided I was going to go for a drive. Um, Found a lovely new lake in the mountains, which, weirdly enough, is one left turn and about 25 kilometers of dirt roads away from my house. Um, Oh, wow. Very therapeutic. I mean, there's not a lot of places to go, but uh, if you get into... Sort of uh, the the backwoods, the real backwoods stuff that uh, my truck wouldn't do, but my Jeep would. Um, yeah, I just had had a great time. I got out there, found some new places that I can go camping, uh, provided I go really, really slow in four-wheel drive. Um, but yeah, quite, quite enjoyed it. Um, however, in a new record for me, um, I've destroyed my paint job in the new Jeep in about four weeks um when you are exploring these trails in the mountain woods um trees do things when you scrape against them to the sides of your vehicle um i have deep deep gouges in both sides of this vehicle um so perhaps this wasn't a good investment or maybe i should have invested in something that was made of plastic i don't know but uh yeah i have completely destroyed the paint job in four weeks oops well fantastic that's what the
1: jeep is for that's what you bought it for was freedom adventure exploration you should destroy the paint every little mark there is is sign that you're using the jeep properly and you're going to get a great return on investment there you are Uh,
0: Carry on. I will explain that to my wife, who is uh, less than thrilled about driving around in something that eh, has... It's black with white uh, scratches and gouges down. She can't see the outside. She's sitting inside. She'll be fine. She can when she gets into it and points it out every single time. Anyway. Buy her sunglasses. (laughs) Let's not even go there. (laughs) Uh, We we actually went to the record store was uh, beside the glasses store uh, because it's that time where both of us need new glass or regular glasses and reading glasses mm-hmm. and all that. That was a very expensive weekend up here. I can bet. You know, I got two pairs of glasses, one for just regular and one for computer work. Um, I am so me that I bought exactly the same set of, color and everything as i already have i do not like change to. are you like that uh a bit of both i flip-flop so
1: um when i have something that works uh really well and that i like um i i'm not averse to saying well i'll just get a newer you know version of that if if i can so the, the i mean i have my reading i my glasses are reading glasses um and they're fairly sort of standard prescription so i did get some made for me uh which turned out to be no better than the ones that you can buy from amazon really so th- my favorite ones wh- i bought on camino actually in um a place called astorga in northern spain where i was just getting tired i had a little um a sort of little uh pasne uh, a little nose clip pair of spectacles that sort of slipped onto the back of my phone mm-hmm. so that it was very minimal and i could just put them on my nose when i was reading something and i thought it made me look very distinguished but it was a complete pain in the backside to uh to keep these things on my nose uh so i, I literally walked across to a pharmacy and bought some sort of blue framed uh reading glasses oh i've seen you wear those yeah I, I you know i love them and i've i've bought pairs since that sort of you know go in the rotation i i sort of litter the house with with spectacles so that i can always find some uh but the ones that most often attach to my head are these ones that i'm wearing now the the blue specs. so yeah i do do that but i also do like to go out and change so i always buy different color phones different watch straps and um just to sort of change things up a bit but i, I think i probably force myself to do that
0: well you are a lot more colorful than i am Stu.
1: there's no answer <laughs>
0: there's no answer to that <laughs> Yes, we'll we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> All right, Stu. What are you writing with this week? Uh I am writing with uh my M
1: six hundred Pelican, uh Vibrant Orange.
0: Speaking of yeah. colour.
1: Uh, yes, indeed. Uh with well uh, a slightly less colourful ink. I'm using Monblog JFK, Navy Blue. Um one of my favorite pens with one of my favorite inks. It's just a really nice combo. It's lovely to write with. Suits my writing style. It's a broad nib. Um and I'm writing on my little folietto Um, and uh, loving
0: it. Absolutely loving it. What about you? What are you using? I picked up a new pen this week. This is the Franklin Christoph Model 45L for long fountain pen. Uh, this is a very small pen, but it's a little smaller than the standard one, just so it's long enough to fit a converter in there. Um The color is Antique Glass, Mm. which uh, is, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it. You know that sort of sea glass color you can see through it. It's um, translucent, but it's kind of got that greenish Mm -hmm. mottled grass look, glass look. It looks really good. Um, So I've got that. I've got a fine cursive italic in there. Which I thought would handle the ink that I chose just a little better than it is doing. Uh, because I put one of those shimmery inks in there, Stu. I'm trying to be like Stu no. and have some color in there. Uh, I put the Ajeoban uh, 1670 uh, Karub de Chypre, I think is the way to say it. Uh, but uh, Stu can correct me because he's a linguist and, well, I'm not. Well, I, you know what Karub de Chypre means? I've got a clue. Cypriot, Cypriot carob.
1: So Chypre is Cyprus and uh carob is the, the carob and I'm, I'm actually
0: sitting next to a carob tree. so There you go. Cheers. So this was a tribute to you without me even knowing. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Um that's one of their shimmering brands and uh the shimmer is lovely. Um the nip uh, kind of has a few issues with it. I actually was writing the other day and I had to go and rinse the nib under to get rid of some of the shimmery that was blocking it up. So Yeah, what was the danger, yeah. Um, yeah, this uh, this is quite, because it's a, it's a fine, but it's a cursive italic. So it's got a decent flow to it, but uh, just not working the way that I wanted. I was almost going to dump the ink and start again, but I really like this ink. Um, it looks great on the paper, so I don't know. Uh, I'm enjoying it, though. It's It's very pretty, if nothing else. Very nice. All right. Our topic this week. Aye, aye, aye. This is a long explanation. (laughs) Who am I optimizing to become? So there is a book uh, called Personal Socrates by Mark Champlain that was published by Baron Fig. The idea behind it, it's a short series of chapters that start with a question. This particular chapter details James Clear the guy that did the um, Atomic Habits book. So he's really asking this question using James Clear as sort of a Ryan Holiday plot device, if you like. Uh, But the question I thought really hit me. Uh, This is, if you have the book, page 110, um, who am I optimizing to become? And I've got some sort of little quotes out of there that I thought would be, good for Stu and I to use to begin our conversation on this subject. As Mark Charplain says, often we optimize our days, schedules, and time to be the most productive as humanly possible. But is this optimization focused in the right areas? Or as he says, James Clear would ask, am I climbing the right mountain?" Uh, these types of questions are challenging because they are hard to answer, or should I say, the answers are hard to accept. And this I think is the premise that had me just going, Oh, Stu, uh, any thoughts reading that first little bit and kind of trying to get a, a, an idea of what are you, what are you focusing on and are you optimizing in the right areas? Uh,
1: yeah. Um, right. Okay. I mean, the first thing I, I should, should be open about this. Um, Mark Champagne fills me with an urge to commit violence, mostly against Mark Champagne, um, which is, is desperately unfair. Cause I'm sure he's an absolutely lovely fellow, but, um, I think at times he's tone deaf, um, Uh, There are some people who should write books and some people that shouldn't. And um, I I think the writing of his book demonstrates that he shouldn't write a book. Um, So you know where I'm coming from now, folks. I I don't mean to be cruel or mean, but I really do think that um, some people shouldn't write. And that, you, you know, your opening line there. Often we optimize our days, schedules, and time to be the most productive as humanly possible. Why? What sort of question is that i mean why do you need to be the most productive as humanly possible what's he going to have on his gravestone i was as productive as humanly possible honestly get a grip (laughs) life is not about being the most productive as humanly possible the whole point of looking at how productive we are looking at productivity is about efficiency to make more time to be the least productive as humanly possible, so that you can sit by the lake with your loved one, going isn't this great to be alive? So that you can sip a fine wine in a vineyard, and go, wow, this is really nice to relax. So that you can build the life that you want. It's not about being the most productive as humanly possible. So I think that, <laughs> it's the wrong question. Is is is. Uh, you remember uh uh what was it four thousand hours
0: mm-hmm. or four thousand weeks <laughs> yeah, the one I couldn't get to yes yeah the, yeah the, i I'm where you were <laughs> okay i I kind of look at this and and maybe this is a difference again in in sort of our approaches and more the European versus North America because we in North America or a lot of us are working in organizations that are so busy Mm -hmm. that it is time constrained. We don't have the flexibility, but you have the, the deadlines, the tasks, the, you know, the meetings, because, well, if you're bored, hold a meeting, um, these things that, you know, we, we optimize our days to get things done. Mm. And I think in a lot of cases, this question to me resonates with, with that in North America, Mm -hmm. getting things done is, is part of the business culture out here, you know, get as much done in your 40 hours that you can, so that you're not actually working 60 or 80 hours or 120 doing the whole Elon Musk thing so that you can actually leave work at a reasonable time. Which I think might be a little different than than the European approach to it.
1: Mm. No, I mean I think um, you know, I, I think James Clear is, excuse the pun, clear on what he means in that he he says, Am I climbing the right mountain? Which is a variation, I think, on Dale Carnegie. Um, and and ladders and am I climbing the right ladder? But um that is a very, very important question to ask. Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, whether you be in North America or or Europe, certainly the last 50 years, uh, the world has tried to move towards this concept of we all go to university. Um, everybody wants their their kids to go to college. You save for the college fund to push them through college so that you can drop them straight into merchant banking or, you know, wherever it is they're going to go. And I think there are a lot of people climbing the wrong mountain because they have got there on autopilot. And... As a, uh, referring back to, to what I first started with, you know, there is more to life than how productive you were in whatever, no offense to anybody, pointless job you did for 40 years. You know, somehow we've got to this place now where um, we, we kind of feel that the, the guy that works in a factory from nine in the morning till 5.30 every day for 40 years, never misses a day's work, is in some way not productive. And, and we perhaps, you know, fail to notice that, that that guy works to live rather than lives to work. And the scale has tipped too far now. And actually maybe that guy is going to be considering his life a success or not a success by, by what he was doing outside of work, not what he was doing at it. Um, And I think James Clear is very, very straightforward about that and saying, okay, you know, What he's asking is, are you putting all of your your effort into something that, a result that you actually want? And I think that's a very, very good question to ask. Um, Unfortunately, this has now come through the the lens of an idiot um, who's turned it into something about being the most productive as humanly possible, which is one of the most stupid phrases I've ever seen committed to text. And... (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, Stu. <laughs> I, I can't because you, you get upset if you have to bleep. I have issues with with um the atomic habits, <laughs> but I uh it, it certainly didn't deserve to be summarized by this idiot the, the way that it's been summarized, because it's better than that, even if it's not perfect. Hmm. Um I mean the the next quote or the quote that i saw was again a direct one from from the book which is you're not going to get your identity nailed in one go um a i don't understand why anybody thinks that they should need to nail their identity and b i think the concept of uh your identity being in some way fixed is utter nonsense too um because that's not how life works um you go through seasons um where you're you know you're a child you are a dependent on others you become uh, a woman or a man you become a self-sufficient human you become a partner you become a family uh you become a family with kids who've left you know i mean there there are all sorts of seasons you're retired you're not retired you're a student you're working uh, you're a sportsman you're a, a partier, yeah but all of those things feed into one's identity and uh, that will always change. I mean, mine certainly has, whether I'd like it to or not. Uh, I am different to how I was two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just, the premise of optimizing to become sort of disturbs me. I, I just think it's fundamentally not right. All
0: right. I did not expect this conversation to take this left turn. So uh wow. <laughs> this is a right turn, honest. You're you're going to the right, are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some would say that happened a long time ago.
0: Well, alien alienate those on the left.
1: I could see that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, chronologically, the next the next thing that sort of popped up was um how did James say no to opportunities that a month before would have been game changing for his life? He followed the advice in his own book and paused to reflect on the person he was trying to optimize for. Um, that, you know, the, this, this wisdom is dropped upon us as if it's passed down from the mountain. But it, you know, it's exactly what we all do all the time. Um, because it's very difficult to understand what is an opportunity and what is just a drain on your time. I'm sure you get this all the time. Um, where people ask you to do things or ask you to help with things, ask you to be involved with things. And some of those things might be very positive. Some of them might be very negative. Some of them might be fairly neutral. Um, But I think it's probably very good advice to think about things before accepting them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure I needed a
0: a book to tell me that, but okay, fine. I I guess my, my side of this was coming from corporate background mm. you know big business what are you optimizing to become everybody's searching for that next promotion you know sure um everybody's working hard to be the best that they can be because promotion money prestige all of those things you know salesman of the year awards all of that junk that goes along with it that i think for a lot of people is you, you know, as you said, everybody's coming out of work now. Maybe the generation is, uh, I don't have quite the same touch with. But uh, people come into the workforce, they go into that corporate world, and they they optimize to become part of that person. You know, they're not necessarily working that job on a production line for 40 hours a week for 40 years. There is a goal that people you know, are trying to achieve. Uh, maybe it's a long-term goal, maybe it's an aspirational goal, but I think behavior sort of comes in through the norms and the expectations of an organization. And I think, you know, sort of looking at that, you know, for me coming from a different side of that conversation, you know, I'm not in the big organization, that big corporation, the international or multinational organization that I've, worked in before and you know certainly uh, optimized my own productivity to be successful in those roles. Um, I kind of look at it now and well, uh, my, as you said, your identities change. Um, not sure I want to play that game anymore, but it took me to do a process like this. what am I optimizing for? It? What am I optimizing to become? to really think about that and what's really important for me? you know, and, and and to make those changes in my own life. Um, so I, I guess I come at this a little differently and say this, if you haven't ever done this, if you got out of university and you started in a job and you got a promotion and you get another promotion and you're, you're working in an organization, large organizations particularly are are rife with this, what are you really doing there? You know, that's that's a question that I think uh to me, this comes out without getting hung up or as upset with the semantics of the language. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I've, what you're driving at, I think, is a very legitimate area of inquiry. So um, if you are working within a company, whatever that company might be, where, you know, one from your past, my past, or, you know, a, a well-known bank, Merrill Lynch or something, um, then, you know, why are you at that company? What is it that you wish to achieve? Who is it you wish to become? And there are lots of legitimate answers to that. And each answer will be very personal. Um, probably the most honest one will be that you seek wealth and prestige if you're working for a big name company like that. Um, and to achieve that, there's actually fairly well trodden paths to success. Um, at a law firm, at a big bank, that big corporate world, there are routes that people normally take to become partner um to earn more money to get the big bonuses you know whatever those things are you within the corporate environment will have the opportunity to learn those things do you need to have specific abilities to achieve those things yes possibly although i suspect some of them can be achieved purely through you know focus uh, and hard work But there is a cost to those things that you want to achieve. Becoming a partner in a big law firm, doing well in a big merchant bank is huge hours. Um, There's a fair amount of politics. There's um, a lot of being nice to the right people, of subsuming your own desires to a corporate aim, to knowing when your desire is more important than a friendship. Um, there are things that happen in advancing yourself in the corporate world, costs that you will have to pay. Um, and you may or may not be prepared to pay those. Justin and I being wise old owls will look back and go, actually, all of that stuff is nonsense, (laughs) but we believed it. And I think everybody within that sort of career oriented promotion focused mindset um, w- believes it. I mean, I certainly did 100%. I would measure myself against my peers. I would measure myself against industry standards. I, I would want to be better. I would want to earn more. I, I wanted bigger bonuses, and you know, all of that stuff. And I think asking yourself if you are prepared to pay that price or those prices. So for me, those prices involved um, being away from home Uh, four days out of five uh they involved um not spending time with perhaps the people i loved but spending time with the people that were important to the business and sitting around and drinking wine with them it's not the end of the world to be honest i've done worse things in my life but it's not the same as spending time at home and perhaps it's only with hindsight that you realize that that's a, a price that you are paying um did I act in ways that I probably wouldn't have acted had a business been my own? Yes. Um, I could be, I could be ruthless. I could be tough. Um, and I don't think I'm generally that, um, within my own businesses. So again, that is a price that you pay. And those are questions that are, that are worth asking. So, you know, in this sort of podcasting world that, that we are, are in, if you look at, um, let's take two extreme examples, Mike Hurley, love him or hate him, um, he spent every every evening recording with people in the States till late at night, on top of his job, trying to build uh, his podcasting skills, a podcasting audience and a podcasting network. And, you know, I think uh, fairly well-known, he's he's reached a great level of success. He's done well, you know, fair play to him. Um, and he's now reaping some of those those rewards but he put a hell of a lot of work to get there and made sacrifices to get there. Um, Max Barkey, um, perhaps looking the other way now, who sort of, you know, was it a year and a half ago, I guess, stopped being a lawyer um, and put that career to one side. Um, and because he decided that he didn't want to be Max Barkey, the lawyer, he wanted to be Max Barkey, the guy that, you know, helped people use Max for, for want of a better phrase. So I think those questions are perfectly legitimate and they're probably ones you have to repeatedly ask. Don't you think? It's not
0: something you just decide once. You have to keep reviewing this. Yeah, I was just actually thinking uh, about this question and your two examples are, are very, very good. You know, Mike Hurley, he's a younger guy. He's got that drive that perhaps we all had. You know, I certainly in my younger years, I had more interest in the corporate ladder than I do now. Mm. Uh, Max sparky well, David Sparks is our age um, he's looking back and saying, what am I doing? Um, which again, I think is, is, is the application of this question, you know, what are you doing? Ask yourself this, uh, periodically. I, I think is a very good review question, which is why I was excited to talk about it until, uh, I talked to Stu and he kind of killed it, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't kill it. I'm just, I'm
1: just upset with the way it's presented. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, the, the fact that I think, I think to me, what resonated out of here is that I worked many years of my life without actually answering this question to myself. The why question, you know, you're, you're always chasing the next thing, whether that's the next bonus, the next bit of prestige, the next, whatever you're doing, right? The, the, it, it's all about chasing a, a game in somebody else's organization, somebody else's rules. And I think that going back and looking at it, especially, you know, um, I'm old enough that I'm remembering 50th anniversaries of albums. So um, yeah, looking at this and kind of saying, why? Why? The why question, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Which I think is a better way of saying it than uh, who am I optimizing to become. Um, The idea is that I think everybody should do this periodically in their lives because things change. And I'm not sure you always make the distinction to look at what's changed when you're caught on that hamster wheel of success, if you know what I mean. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense yeah no
1: absolutely I, I think the 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 book that you've taken this from is is essentially an exercise in socratic questioning so uh, a sort of questioning technique often used by socrates a, a bit like you would sort of you, you try and defeat a five-year-old It keeps going why why <laughs> um is to is to ask questions of yourself and the older That we get the more we realise that asking questions is massively important because everything that we are told is well perhaps not as objective as it used to be and so it's worth questioning everything now but certainly you know if you are not um uh well whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith you we come this way but once i suppose you could go for reincarnation but uh accepting that we're on the planet for a limited amount of time you know 4 score years and 10 if you're lucky um and what is it you're doing here what is it that you um want to spend your time on time is our most limited resource our, you know energy as well i guess so where do you want to put those things and that will change as your life uh goes on And you shouldn't be afraid of throwing out things that were, you know, desperately important to you. I'm amazed by the amount of people who are in a career and then suddenly go into a career that is completely different. You know, they make a cataclysmic change. And they go, actually, I never wanted to be a banker. I wanted to be a busker. Wow. How did you put so much effort into being a banker? um and it's because people don't ask themselves those questions and I, I you know there's no no criticism in in suggesting and proposing to people that they do um and i think uh i love the premise of of this book um i just hate the execution of it <laughs> um it's just it's like oh wow um you know the you i mean you must have read the first uh story shall we say or the first question and reacted the way that i did i mean it was uh, the, the celebrity, the famous person, the achiever being used is, is Robin Williams. And, and the question he's being asked or the question that we are asking through his lens, if you like, is what does it mean to be unapologetically me? Now, for those of you who don't know, Robin Williams was an incredibly talented and funny man who tragically suffered from mental health issues and took his own life. Now, if you marry those facts to that question, then you might begin to understand why I can't reconcile this author writing this nonsense. It
0: it's just tone deaf. I pick this book up and read it once in a while and
1: Yeah. Well I've bought it. You know, I mean Mr. Champagne will be delighted to know that I've got I've, you know, I've paid my money for it. And I, I will keep reading through because as you say, um it's a collection of blog posts. So it doesn't take an enormous amount of time to, you know, to read one. And I think, as I say, the questions are great. I like the premise. Um, and I, I, I don't know if he was ha- had a bet with somebody of you know, I can I can bring forth the worst possible
0: example for this premise. I uh, I don't know, just madness to me. So let let's get to the question itself, or you know, a hmm. a, a more palatable version of that. As a younger, as a younger man, Stu, hmm. think back to, to those days, did you ever actually ask yourself this question?
1: Um, Yes. And uh, I mean, particularly, I guess this question would, would chime with me because, well, a couple of reasons, uh, as people know, I'm a sort of, I'm an accidental stoic um, and you know, James Clear's Book um, was a seventy thousand word version of um, Aristotle's. I am just just going to count. I think he, he he used about six words to say the same thing. We are what we repeatedly do. That's what Aristotle said, and then James Clear wrote seventy thousand words explaining why we are what we repeatedly do, and that's something that I. I think I adopted quite early because of going to private school. And I don't mean that as some sort of humble brag or anything else. Um, I mean that, um, I was like a fish out of water at school. I, I was suddenly sort of plunged into a different world that I didn't understand. And I quickly, uh, I guess optimized to fit in because that's what you do when you're 10. Um, and. My mother once said to me, I don't know, when I was in my twenties, she said that what school had given me or private school had given me was the ability to be a chameleon and to fit in, in any circle of any bunch of people. Uh, That was the skill it gave me. It gave me the confidence, but also the ability to pick up on social cues and, and fit in. Um, And there are some real minuses to that, by the way, but there are some pluses, Uh, but Because of that, I think I asked myself the question a lot. So I was working in foreign exchange at the same time, well, not the same time, but during the summer, I was working in foreign exchange in Paris. And then I was going back to university in North England. Um, In Paris, I was earning really good money and spending it. In North England, I was spending uh, what little money I could beg, borrow and steal. Um, I was paying for university education and i after a couple of years went this is crazy i absolutely loathe this studying and i absolutely adore living in paris who do i want to be and literally two hours later i was on a coach to paris i never went back to to that university so i made from that point on my decisions were always about who was i optimizing to be and yeah, I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to be. What did I want to be? I wanted to be a branch manager. I wanted to be an area manager. I wanted to be a country man. You know, whatever the next steps were. Um, and I had role models, and I wanted to be them. And I wanted to earn lots of money and spend it mostly on wine and you know live the dream. And then throughout my life, there have been lots and lots of sort of junctions and turning points where that question has come up again. And I've said, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to take a risk? do i want to um you know sort of put my 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 quite lucrative consultancy business on hold to to build a startup or do i want to stay consulting where you know frankly the wine is better the daily rate is better uh, and the holiday is completely up to me you know that you know the pluses and minuses so yeah i think i think the question has been very informative to me and very useful to me and i still ask it now and I still don't give myself very clear answers. what about you? Do you think it's something that you've
0: addressed during your life i I think I've like you um, evaluated opportunities, but I never really looked at it deeply you know of who do I want to become uh, what do I want to achieve? I think is you know what is my goal, and that has always been the money question, right you know where am I going? what am I doing? Um, without ever really looking at it and saying, who do I want to be? And, you know, that may just be the indoctrination into the corporate world that, you know, as a young person or, you know, someone up and coming, it's awfully attractive. It's it's easy to see those things. Mm. But um, I, I think I've asked it, but not deeply enough, if that makes any sense. I've I've not really looked at the who do I want to be? Or maybe, you know, I'm just getting old and I'm looking back and I'm seeing the, well, decisions that could have been better in my life, Stu. <laughs> uh, there that, that may just be one or two of those. Um, you know, I'm, and maybe I'm I'm sort of, you know, looking at everything a little bit now. And in my old age, I've got to become one of those guys. Uh, when did, when did <laughs> we get old, Stu? <laughs> I've, I've got to challenge that. And um, it's not
1: something you need to deal with on air, but um, on air. As if we were on a live radio show, but you've made decisions. You, um, I don't know your timelines, <laughs> but at at some point you've been a biker, complete with leather jacket, tattoos. Other times, you've been a Buddhist monk. Yeah, I've ca- complete with orange robes, and presumably funny haircuts. Yes, I've been there. So, so you know, you've made decisions about who you are. For, you know in that moment you, you are one thing or another and you know you, you tie into that okay this is a, a finance director oh no hang on is it a photographer oh no hang... um i was about to say you're a polyglot but you're probably a polyglot but we're a, a multi-potentialites that's what we are I think, whew, the word came back to me so i think that there is an element of that in your character probably where where perhaps subconsciously you've sort of said okay uh, i i'm optimizing to, to be this now and then you know after a period of time things have moved on you've changed change of view or or decided that's not what you want to do just in the same way as i have hmm. it's it's proof if anywhere needed that, that these questions are provocative they do make you think mm-hmm. um because not only do you think about them in terms of okay what am i going to do now but if you're old and crusty like us you go, well, you know, how has that question influenced my life? Have I asked myself that question before? Would my life be different if I'd asked it or should I have asked it more? It is provocative. I mean, we are dangerously close to, to, to blundering into philosophy.
0: Oh, God. We'll lose the rest of our audience. <laughs> the right, the, the ones on the right that are still listening to us that, uh, <laughs> you know, we go to philosophy. Oh, that's it. Uh, or either that or everybody will be getting Latin, Latin tattoos next week.
1: <laughs> well or you can go and buy james clear's book because i i've got some information for you justin mm-hmm. he deadlifts 501 pounds all right and that means nothing to me i'm afraid well what that what that means is that you should disregard really anybody writing about productivity who can't deadlift more than 350 400 i mean come on uh <laughs> i just this is, honestly the, it comes up in the preamble from from our friend mr champagne that james clear best selling books blah, 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 and deadlifts 501 pounds well and i looked at that <laughs> because that's his qualification right uh, well I, I i imagine that what mr champagne was trying to get at was that um when mr clear sets his mind to something uh, he builds the habits to achieve great things, and I'm assuming—I don't know, but I'm assuming—deadlifting 501 pounds is is good or, you know, hard. Um, I've never tried to deadlift 501 pounds that I'm aware of, but um, I suspect it would feel quite heavy. I got
0: myself out of bed today. Does that count?
1: <laughs> so some would say every time I stand up, I must be—I must be dealing with a good percentage of that. But um, yeah, I—I I think the questions are great. And asking them is, uh, you know, a bit of self-reflection just ties back to all the things that, that I take value or get value from, like journaling. That's the same thing, is reflection. What, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Um, and, you know, Mr. Champagne apart, um, I think reading about it is probably not a bad thing. But again, I would sort of question i would question what examples are being used and are there are there examples that that speak more directly
0: to the question all right well now that we have dissected this book um any takeaways from at least the concept
1: of it uh yeah i th- i think the concept of the book is great um i think specifically the question um I mean, it's always going to c- cause problems between you and I because, uh, you know, it's got optimizing it. Is there an S or a Z? I mean, honestly, uh, but... I do show notes. It has a Z. <laughs> <laughs> who am I optimizing to become? Um, yeah, yes, uh, I I like where the question is trying to get to. Um, I prefer who do I want to be? Um, just because, oh, I don't know, I speak English. Um and I think it is worth asking you whether you want to be that lawyer doing 80 hours or that um corporate corporate cobra climbing up the ladder doing 80 hours and drinking with your colleagues and living the life, just living for the firm. Or whether you want to be someone else or something else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my takeaway is actually very similar. What I would say is this question is something you should probably ask yourself periodically and be okay when your answer changes. You know, maybe this is right now the thing that you're focusing on and you, this is what you want to become. You want to climb the corporate ladder, for example. And maybe a year from now or three years from now or a decade from now, you'll look at that and you go, what the hell was I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, this is coming from the jaded side of 50 uh but i i think the question not just what am i trying to do at work but who am i trying to become i think is is a really deeper question that gets past the the nonsense of uh, the position the title the pay raises the perks and, and gets to that inner deeper part and i think that's a lot harder to do so that's my thought on this one, hmm. Stu. So I'm afraid to actually bring up our next uh, topic that I suggested because I, I don't, I don't know if your blood pressure can handle it, my friend. <laughs>
1: well, I have to say, this author that you're about to mention, I find um, much easier to read than the one we've just discussed. But um, like you, <laughs> I'm not not so sure. I find him easy to listen to
0: there's a spoiler <laughs> all right uh, before then where can people um from the left write to you and tell you that you uh, upset them on the interwebs
1: i think i think the people from the left will be delighted because i'm
0: clearly drifting that way
1: um but yeah you can find me at com and email me at hello at dot uh if you're interested in anti-money laundering uh, please go back and ask yourself, who are you optimizing to be? But you can uh, you can read about that at limeconsulting.com. And if you like really nice stationery, you can go to nerosnotes.co.uk. Uh,
0: what about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, the easiest place to find me, justintwyford.com. That's got links to all the projects that I'm working on at the moment. You can email both of us. Um, with complaining about Stu. That's fine. I don't mind. Uh, Stationeryadjacent sure at gmail.com. Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is going to be on an email that I got from an email list. Becoming a problem finder rather than a problem solver. And we know Stu's going to have an opinion about this. Uh, this was from Greg McEwan's um, email list a few weeks ago and I thought it'd be an interesting conversation, but this was supposed to be an interesting conversation. It went a little sideways. So who knows where we're going to be. All right. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes.